I just want to say I'm grateful for you, uh, for, a, for a congregation and a leadership that sees things beyond today. Um, I was reminded this week of Joshua and Caleb and how Joshua and Caleb were with 10 other people sent out to spy the land. You can read this story. It's a wonderful story, and it's a heartbreaking story, but also an encouraging story all the same. But Joshua and Caleb and and 10 others were sent out by Moses to spy the land. And they brought fruit. They saw the land. They saw what God was going to give them, was already promised to them. And they came back with fruit from that land. Ten of them said, we can't go. The people are too strong. They're too big. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. But Joshua and Caleb saw what God saw. They understood what God was going to give them, what God wanted for them. They saw something that everybody else didn't. And I'm grateful for a leadership team, a leadership board, a discipleship board that sees well beyond today, that sees tomorrow and years down the road. They can see what God wants to do in us, through us, and around us. And this is just another step in that. And so I'd like to ask God for some big things right now. And then we'll get right into the Word of God. Man, it's already 10 tw- or 1120. That's all right. We're going to pray again. So would you mind bowing your heads? God, you've got some big things. Not only for the Church of the Nazarene right here in Wapakoneta. You've got big things in our lives. Big things that, that maybe we don't see. But you do. You have eyes for it. You've already been there. You've got things that, that all we need to do is just ask you for them. So how much more will the Father give the Spirit to those who ask? And Lord, Father, we're asking the big things. Lord, we're asking for a harvest. We're asking for people to come to Christ. That you're revealing them and you're working in them right now. And our sole mission is that people come into a living, loving relationship with God. The Creator. Through Jesus Christ. The good news. And Father, it's not here on Sunday morning, just here on Sunday morning, but it's, it's all of us in this together. Praying, seeking out, having conversations. So, Lord Father, may you empower us and equip us as your people. And Father, we want to see not only people come to Christ, but we want to see people grow in Christ. Go deep with you. Mature and have fruit Be fruitful, not just faithful. So Father, we we hope and pray that this is a place that people can discover God, but grow in You. Get discipled. And be impactful in our community. God, will You expand our capacity for leadership and influence and love in this community? 
and the communities in which we reside because not everybody's from Wapak. So Lord God, we're asking for big prayers, big things, things that only you see. And we ask that you give us your eyes to see those. And quite frankly, God, I'd like to see them done soon, but I'm not going to tell you how to do it, and I don't want to tell you when to do it. May we be patient and, 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 and trusting you as we walk that journey out. Does it look like 250 people in, a, in, in this church? Possibly. But it looks like changed lives and transformed households and marriages and teenagers coming to Christ and addiction being broken. It's healing. And we want to see that. So Lord, we put that at your feet and we continue to pray for that and ask you for that. And may we not just ask you, but may we be in action for it. Help us be diligent and disciplined in that. And good stewards of what you provide us and who you provide. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray today. Amen. Well, um, we started a series last week. And uh, I'll give you a heads up. We're going to go to chapter Luke, chapter, uh, chapter 8. So as you're, you're there, uh, as you're moving there, Luke chapter 8, it's in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you can pull your phone out. Um, last week we started a, a series. I think it was very fitting to start that on that day. Those that religion rejected. And there's not an individual in here, a teenager in here, an adult in here, that welcomes rejection. I don't think any one of us want it. We don't desire it. We don't need it. We don't go looking for it. In fact, we protect ourselves from it. And we, in fact, we protect our kids from it. That's right. We do our best to protect from rejection. And in fact, we don't want to be the marginalized. We don't want to be the outsider. We don't want to be the left out. We, won't, we don't want to be the left behind. We don't want to be them. We want to be us. And in fact, when we are on the receiving end of rejection, it begins to make us question. What did I do wrong? What didn't I do? What's wrong with me? What do I need to do better? What do I got to do to be received by this person or that group? It makes us question who we are. And in fact, sometimes it can become full-blown anxiety. Where we wonder, we start to think about how the other person perceives us and thinks about us. And it rules our life. In fact, we try to pull other people in to convince us that we're right and they're wrong. And then we continue the cycle of rejection because now we reject them and while they reject us. And it becomes this cycle that's unbroken. God is on the side, both sides. Where two groups can't come together, two people can't come together, He's on both sides. He comes to the marginalized and comes to those that reject. He comes to the outsider and the rejected and those that have the finger pointed. Because we fear rejection 
Because at the core of who we are, we want to belong. You and I want to belong to something or someone that identifies with us and we identify with. There is no question about that. You go to the deepest part of who you are, you want to belong. And when we're rejected, that says you don't belong. You're disconnected. At creation, in the imagination and creative mind of God, He thought of man. And in creation, in His action, He took man, He formed man and fashioned humankind in His own image, in His own likeness, with His own hands. And immediately ushering us into relationship. Connection with our Creator. That was to mirror the connection and the relationship that God had with Jesus and the Holy Spirit before creation. That interconnection, that oneness, the triune God, three in one. And we were to mirror that. We were created to connect with our Creator. We were created to connect with community. And in fact, you and I were created in relationship with creation. We see how that turned out. And it all fell apart. It all fell apart. There's a problem. And religion comes into play. God did not bring Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that we might have religion, but that we might have relationship with the one whom we are disconnected with. Now, hear me very clearly. There is a place for religion. Jesus did a lot of religious things. Things that help us connect with our Creator. But the sole purpose of Jesus Christ dying on the cross was that He opened the way that you and I can connect with the Almighty, the Creator. So that nothing and no one can stand in the way except your own will. Jesus is a gentleman. He will never impose Himself on you. The Almighty, the powerful, the one who spoke things into existence, the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead will not impose himself on you ever. But he'll stand at the door and knock patiently, pursuing you. So, when we think about the rejected, when we talk about the disconnected, Jesus himself came. He stepped across the cosmos, came out of heaven, wrapped himself in flesh to be among us. That's the Christmas story. God for us came to be among us and with us. And we just, as Matthew mentioned, we just celebrated Easter. It seems so long ago, but it was just last Sunday. And we celebrate the resurrection every day because that is our hope. But in 
that moment, as we talked about last week, Jesus himself who came to that which was his own but did not receive him, stood rejected by religion, by the religious folk. Standing side by side with a murderer, an insurrectionist, Barabbas. He's the clear picture of us. Of us. I don't know if you feel like you're an outsider. You feel like you're the marginalized, that you've been left out or left behind. Or if you feel like you're a them. Jesus knows that, understands that, experiences that, and steps into that for you. So that you do not have to be on the outside. But as we go into the story, Jesus goes to the outside. He goes to the other side. Where no one else will go. Where no one wants to go. Where a lot of people refuse to go. So let's go there. Let's go to the other side today. Shall we? Luke chapter 8. We're going to read the story in its entirety. Chapter 8, starting with verse 28. They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes. Some of your versions may have Gadarenes. Two names for the same place. Which was across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house. But he lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet shouting at the top of his, vo his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had, come out, had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. Demons begged Jesus, do not let them, do not, excuse me, the demons begged Jesus to let them go into them. And he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs. And the herd rushed down the, the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what happened, they ran off and reported this to the, in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, check this, sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. 
Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So we got into the boat and left. Jesus is a gentleman, is He not? He respects your no. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged Him to go with Him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home. Tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Jesus, we ask you to speak and teach. We know that you will. I ask that you move on our hearts, that we are responsive to what you say, and that we we act in obedience to that. It's in your name we pray today. Amen. So, a little behind there, my bad. The front end of this. It says they sailed to the Gerasenes. And as I mentioned, some of you in your version says Gadarenes. Two names for the same place. This place is on the other side. It's on the other side of the lake. In fact, this place is on the other side of the lake. This place is a pagan place. This place is where no Jew would want to go. Why? How do we know this? There's a lot of swine. There's a lot of pigs. Folks, according to the law, Jews and pigs don't get along because the law says you're not to eat those things. They're unclean. So any God-fearing, self-respecting Jew would not be anywhere there, near there. This is a predominantly pagan area. And don't think that Jesus just kind of happened over there the story right before this is that jesus was in the boat with his 12 disciples and as they were in the boat in the lake there was this massive storm this violent storm which apparently rocked jesus to sleep but scared the living daylights out of his crew and they woke him up woke him up saying we're gonna die we're gonna die and jesus just calmly rebukes the storm They didn't just haphazardly come across the other side of the lake. In fact, Jesus, before they got into the boat and before the storm, had said, let's go to the other side of the lake. Let's go to where people don't. Let's go to the people that people, our folks, won't go to. And in fact, let's go to where rabbis and teachers of the law and the religious people won't go we're going to go to the other side of the lake folks god has a heart for the rejected god has a heart for the outsider god has a heart for the lost god has a heart for all those that even the church doesn't have a heart for can i say that Mm-hmm. God has a heart for everybody, particularly the rejected, the orphaned, the fatherless, the widow, the poor, the hungry, the left out. Let's go to the other side of the lake. And so he goes to the outsiders, he goes to the other side of the lake. This was intentional. This was purposeful. And so, as they come to the other side of the lake, and Jesus steps ashore, here comes a demon-possessed man. Now, 
this story, there are parallel passages in the book of Matthew and Mark. I believe Matthew shares that there were two demon-possessed men. But Mark and Luke choose to focus on the one. And today we're going to focus on the one. But keep in mind that there were two. And so Jesus was met by a demon-possessed man. Literally getting out of the boat and stepping ashore, getting foot on ground, here comes a demon-possessed man. And we find that this demon-possessed man was from the same town. As you read the parallel passages, we find out about this demon-possessed man. He was naked. And he wasn't ashamed, apparently. He was not clothed by any means. In fact, he's living in a place where we people leave people to rest. The cemetery. But this man is the opposite of that picture. This man is a man of unrest. It says that he's out of his mind. That he has been seized by these demons so much so that he's become violent. And the people of the town... They've tried to chain him hand and foot. And in these violent fits, he's broken these chains. I can kind of picture it. The townspeople probably tolerated, for, tolerated him for a little bit. Tried to do whatever they could, but said, man, we can't deal with this. This is way beyond our pay grade. We can't do this. And so... He became a danger to himself and other people, and so they chained him. And he was driven to solitary places. He harmed himself and harmed other people. And in the story from the book of Matthew and Luke, we find out that he cries out day and night, cutting himself. I was kind of reminded of the line, you bleed just to know you're alive, that song, I don't know, the Goo Goo Dolls. Sometimes you just bleed to know that you're alive. I think he bled because he just wanted it to all escape. He was out of his mind. And I thought, as I was reading this story, the townspeople, he was actually out of sight and out of mind to them. They put him in a place so they didn't have to deal with him anymore. They didn't have to see him. They didn't have to acclimate their life to the need that he had, to the issues that he was dealing with. They didn't have to assimilate it. He was so far out of sight and out of mind that they were able to go through their daily life and forget about it. They tried. They did whatever they could. And where does Jesus go? To the other side. This man is the rejected of the rejected. He's the hopeless of the hopeless. He's the set aside. He's the leftover. And he comes, Jesus comes across steps on shore, and what does he do? The immediate thing the demon-possessed man does is fall at his feet. 
falls at the feet of Jesus. And then a very interesting conversation ensues. Not with the demon-possessed man, but with the demon himself. Jesus, the Son of the Most High. Folks, I've read Scripture, and I don't think I've ever met in Scripture an atheist demon. Not once. Not once do I meet an atheist demon. And folks, I just want to be straight up. The devil's real. Jesus was face to face with him. Jesus knows him. There is not one atheist demon in Scripture. We are the only creature created that questions the existence of God. We're the only ones. I mean, you ever thought about an anteater? Do they ever have a moral or ethical dilemma? Man, that, that mound is beautiful. Those ants spent so much time. I can't mess it up. No, they just go and say, there's ants I want to eat. The bees, they never say to the queen, I just need to get out. I just need to get out of this comb and be me for a while. So how about it, queen? No. They don't have a sense of, they don't have an ethical dilemma at all. They know their place in creation. They know their role. We, as human beings, are the only ones. Even demons understand and know that God is real. And so this conversation ensues between Jesus and the demon Jesus, don't torture us. We've been torturing him for a long time, but don't torture us. There's this huge herd of swine right over there. Just send us in. Send. And Jesus says, absolutely. You ever thought of this story from the perspective of the swine herders? They're all hanging out with the sheep. And suddenly there's this massive jolt in all the sheep, and they just start running. And you're just like, what in the world? They start to go over the steep embankment, pigs rolling over each other, and there's this squeals, loud squeals, and then silence. It's like a mass of cannonballs right into the Sea of Galilee, and then silence. They don't know what's going on. Their livelihood just went over the, the embankment. And so what do they do? They go share the story. They go back to town. And when they come back, they find the man whom the demons had gone out. Notice the, ch the language has changed. He's not the demon-possessed man anymore. He's the man whom the demons had come out. And what is he? He's dressed and in his right mind. And he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's hanging out with the disciples. How did this story start? Let's go to the other side. And by going to the other side, a miraculous transformation because someone met Jesus. A miraculous transformation. An individual that was 
alone is now connected. A person who was tortured is now at peace. An individual that was naked is now fully clothed. An individual that was out of his mind is in his right mind. I don't know what that feels like, but I really would love to know what that feels like to be in my right mind. A miraculous transformation has occurred. Why? Because God has a heart for the rejected, especially those that religion has rejected. Jesus goes into the place that no one wants to go and wants to do things that only He can do. God wants us, you and I, to go to places places that no one will ever go. And so, they look, and the people from the region were afraid. They were afraid. Why? Well, I'm pretty sure they were afraid because some of the swine herders' economic stability just went over the bank. And what, might hap- what happened to them might happen to us. Oh, dear God, No. But they were afraid they didn't understand. They wanted to send him away. They told Jesus to leave. We'll get back to that part. Like I said, Jesus respects you, no. But see, we have this demon possessed man who's no longer a demon possessed man, he's the man whom the demons have come out of. He's a man who's been miraculously, radically transformed by Jesus. Holistically transformed. His mind, his heart, his spirit, he's connected. And he wants to go with Jesus. Who wouldn't want to? If I were were that man, I'd want to be with Jesus. You absolutely just transformed my life. I'm a former shell of what I used to be. I am completely new. Completely new. And you're the one who did it. I want to follow you. I want to be with you all the time. But Jesus said, turn home. Go back to the place that you haven't been in a very, very long time. Go back to the people that you haven't been with in a very long time. Connect with your kids. Connect with your family. Connect with your community. And while you do that, tell them how much God has done in your life. Be intentional. Be intentional with the transformation that has been happening in your life. Share it. Tell it. Let people know about it. Because you know why? They know you. They know your story. In fact, they're probably the same people that pushed you out. They're probably the same people that chained you and put shackles on your feet. They're probably the same people that paid the guards to stand watch over you. Go to those people. The people that no one wants to go to. Because you're the one that's been radically transformed. 
Now, you who didn't have purpose and only merely existed, and your existence was complete torture, now you are instilled with purpose. You have purpose. Back to creation. You are created to be connected with your creator, connected with community, and connected with creation. We have roles within all three of those. All of you have integral roles with God, with others, and with creation. We are to subdue creation. We are to rule over creation. Creation is not to rule over us. We are to take care of it. That's one of our integral roles with creation. But we have roles within the community. Go and do that. You have purpose now where you didn't have purpose. And your purpose is an eternal purpose. It's much bigger than you. So go. And so it says the man. The man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for them. So first I want to talk to the church folk. Those that are not church folk, you can put a pause button for just one moment. You can tune me out. If you're church folk, this is you. See, Luke said, for a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in tombs. For a long time, this man had been possessed by something. Have you ever wondered how long was a long time? Have you ever wondered how long was a long time where people didn't go over there to the other side to roll up their sleeves and have a conversation to minister? Let's bring it home. Wapakoneta has 9,816 people. Last census, I think it was 2016. We're on, the, we're, on the, we're on the move. We're on the growth. You could probably safely say we're probably around 10,000 maybe. And of the 10,000 people in our community, have you ever wondered how many of those have never had their name lifted, verbally lifted before the throne of God in their entire life? Ninety-eight hundred sixteen people, and not once has their name been uttered before God. Let's go to the other side. I just wonder who's fighting for this population, for this city. Who is it? Let's go to the other side. It better darn well be us. Because that's who we're commissioned to be. We just prayed for it. We just prayed for it. And you are from all over this community. I dare say that if we started to figure out who you know. We ran the list. 
we probably have 9,816 people that we know on that list. We need to start going on the other side. Because there is no longer an us and them in God's eye. We're all created in his image. All of us. So, those that aren't church folk, and I'd be pretty dumb to assume that we're all church folk. Back to the fact that the people were afraid. It says, Then all the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. In the book of Matthew, it immediately it says that Jesus stepped into the boat, crossed over, and came to him, came to town. You might be on the outside. You might be the outsider. Outside the kingdom of God. You're not outside God's pursuit of you. You're not outside of his love for you because he absolutely loves you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have died for you. But I'm going to tell you today, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus is a gentleman. He respects your no. The Almighty is in pursuit of you. But only you can allow him to enter your heart and into your life. You're the only one. I can't do it for you. Your neighbors can't do it for you. It's you opening your life, your heart, and saying, Jesus, enter into me. Jesus, have my life. Jesus, I want you. Just like we declared earlier. But you've been sitting on the edge of your seat, fearful. Today's the day. Now is the time for that radical transformation to happen to your life. For you to move from being separated and segregated from God for whatever reason that may be. Could be a horrible church experience. Could be a horrible experience that you've had at the hands of a Christian. I don't know. But today, I'm asking you, those of you sitting here, those of you listening on the podcast or online, it's time to take that step and cross that line of faith and give Him your life. You will no longer be merely existing, but you will be instilled with purpose. You will become whole. Because as I mentioned before, we are at our fullest when we are fully loved. And that can only happen by God. So will you please stand, folks? Just bow your heads for just a moment. If that's you, 
if you're on the edge of the line of faith and you've been dancing around it for a long time, and you know it's time for you to allow God to enter in. I just want, I want to pray with you. And it's very simple for you to allow God to do that in you. No matter how long you've been away from Him, no matter how far you traveled away from Him, it's an instant that it can change in your life. An instant. It's very simple. Jesus, I give you my life, my heart. Jesus, I just give you myself. That's it. It's very simple. I mean, that's the beginning of the conversation. There's a lot more to have to, you have to deal with, but that's the beginning. Jesus, I, I just I give you my life. I give you myself. Lord, forgive me of my sins. God, I want to be connected with you. If that's you, just utter those words right now before the king, before his throne. Jesus, I give you my life. I give you myself. Forgive me of my sins. You are the Son of God. Father, we come before you today. And we, those that have known you and have a relationship with you, we reaffirm the fact that this is your life. Our life is not our own anymore, and it is yours. We reaffirm today that Wapak Naz is not my church, it is yours. We reaffirm today that the people of Wapakoneta and the surrounding areas and those that are represented by those here today, they are your communities, they are your cities. And we are commissioned to lift them, to raise them before the throne of God. And to speak the truth to them and share it. So today we, we will no longer not do that. We will no longer settle. But we will move forward and seek your heart for the people that we know and we don't know. Because we want to see them come and cross that line of faith. in your name, Jesus, that we ask these things today. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, if you asked Jesus to enter in your life, and you gave your life to Him, I don't want to embarrass you, but I want you to acknowledge that in the community that is here to support you and love you. Will you please raise your hand? Raise your hand. Make it known. If you're struggling with that, I'm going to pray for you right now. 
Jesus, for those that still have yet to cross that line of faith, yet to give themselves to you, Lord, will you continue to reveal yourself to them and open their eyes to you that they may see you and receive you. It's in your name we ask today. Amen. Folks, be loved people loving people to Jesus this week. Have a wonderful day.